Okay, we like I said, we kind of touched base a little bit on you know you entering prison and everything, and you were talk wanting to talk about like the conduct. Can you like um, from the time you entered prison to now, what all has changed? Has it been the same to an extent, or has there like been like major changes throughout your time? No, it's actually been a major change, and uh, some of the seals. Uh, ways of doing things and, and the system is changing for the good, I'll say, but it's not all the way there. It's changing for the good because um, you've got the, kind of like we're in the system because of this new generation that's coming in. Um, ever since the younger guys have been coming in, they've been kicking the older guys out and it's been down 20 to 25 years, which is good, you know, but it also has a downside because there's guys here that's uh, been down for a while. Now we, I'm talking about myself, have to deal with these young kids that come in now. And a lot of us, you know, we can't, we don't want to tolerate that. A lot of us raised our kids already. Um, but as far as the conduct and CEOs, I think right now it's worse. And it's going to be worse for the people that's been around for a while because the CEO's attitude is changing because of the young guys that are coming in because they have the I don't care attitude. So they know what they're dealing with and they put us all in as a whole, CEO. They don't look at us like you're an old guy. You've been around for a while. We know you know. You get put in the same boat as everybody else. I kind of wonder if, uh, speaking of that, because I've noticed since like I started work, I like I officially started working in oh, 2007. And okay. I've noticed, like, like you're saying, the younger generation, I'm kind of wondering, because is the COs younger or are they older or just, just kind of very they're younger because they're just graduating from their academy. So they're rookies. Okay. And that's even worse on top of it. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering there too because I've noticed a lot of people like that's way younger than me. I've yeah. noticed a lot of them yeah. as well. 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds. Yeah. yeah, they're yeah. in that uh, category where you said a lot of the new guys that are coming in locked up. They just have that I don't care yeah. attitude, and a lot of the CEOs probably had that. Cause a lot of the younger kids I work with and stuff throughout the years, like you, you'll get right. some good ones, but a lot of them, like uh, my job previously, like I had so many young people, there'd be like one or two good ones, and the rest of them's like, I don't care. This is a job I'll leave right. you know, tomorrow, right. and so I I see that overall, right. like yeah, it's just bad, but um. I know we had talked earlier with everything, and you said you had the assault on you in 2001. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, in like 2001, I had a guy that was my celly, and he was into sexual stuff, and I told him I wasn't interested, and he took it the wrong way. He took it to the point where he started getting aggressive to where he got, like, you know, he felt like he was disrespected by me telling him I'm not involved. Because the only reason why he came at me is because of what my case evolves around. 
And uh, once a lot of people hear about your case, they automatically assume that this is what you're into. And that wasn't the case. And I tried to explain to him that I'm not that person you think I am. So he got me to a point where we were going to fight in the cell. It was like, I don't know, 12 o'clock at night. And the guy decided he didn't want no problems, and I didn't want any problems. So I decided to go to sleep. About 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm dead asleep. Uh, in the meantime, while I was sleeping, he was boiling hot water, which we call a uh, stinger here. And it's a homemade uh, thing to you can heat up water. It's a thing that you make to heat up water. And it boils, boiling the water. So we took that, put baby oil in it and some other stuff in the water while it was boiling. But while he was doing that, he hit me in the head like 2 o'clock in the morning with a Kobe adopter. I mean, this thing was huge. He hit me like three times. The fourth time I caught it, I caught it in the ear. And I wrapped it around my arm so he doesn't swing it at me again. He also cut me with a razor blade in my face, and he threw that hot water out while I was sleeping in my face. So all this happened, like, so fast. And then what the worst part was, when he hit me with the adapter, all I could, it just, my vision just went out because there was so much blood that I couldn't even see. I'm wiping my face, and no matter how much I wipe my face, I couldn't see. So the guy freaked out. He freaked out so bad that he thought I was dying or he killed me or something. But he ran, and we have these panic buttons in the cell. He went and he pushed the button. He told the CO that, you know, there was a problem in the cell, so they came rushing to the cell with me, yelling at me. He put my hands out. I'm holding my head because my head's bleeding blood coming out of my head and um, if you don't put your hands down I'm going to spray you and this that and the other thing so obviously I had to comply I had to put my hands down in the process of bleeding all over the place they took me out they brought me to an outside hospital gave me stitches and asked me if I wanted to come back to the block at the time and I told them no I need time to heal so they put me in a hole for a while so I could heal up in the meantime, they took this guy and they put him in Northern because that's where, I guess, the type of people would go. Like, if you assault somebody like that, they put you in Northern at the time. So they sent him there. In the meantime, he decided he wanted to bring me to court. He wanted to sue whoever he wanted to sue, including me. He told the newspaper, I assaulted him. Now, mind you, this guy is like, Two, three sides my weight. So he brought it. We brought it. Brought it to jury. Brought it to trial. Everything. And a jury found him guilty. Gave him five years. Added. He just did five years, but he just got five more. Like he never did it. Started his time. So he ended up getting five years from the jury. But they didn't buy his story. I didn't assault him. I didn't try to. They say okay. If I came at him, how come you don't have any marks on you and this guy does? So, they didn't, you know, and the seals, some of the seals were on my side, and the verdict was, he was guilty, and I wasn't. Well, now, 
to this day, I run into certain CEOs and they say, well, this guy is still doing the same thing that he was doing before. You know, so he has changed. And this all happened. And for the people that live in Connecticut that are listening to this story, this is all happened at MacDougall Correctional. I just wanted them to know what facility that this happened in so they'll know what I'm talking about. Um, one, uh, one question with that gentleman. Was he an older gentleman? Yeah, he was a lot older than me. So do you think he just kind of tried to use his age type thing and where you were, like said, four years in the prison? Do you think he just tried to kind of like scare you and think that since you were young and kind of knew there that he could just like over overtake you type thing? Well, well I'm not going to take this away from it, though. I volunteered to move in a cell with him, mind you, mm-hmm. uh, because you can't just move in a cell with somebody without, you know, getting these people permission and you got to sign a paper saying that you want to. But I had no idea this guy was the way he was. But the problem I have, mm-hmm. and I could have sued these people that I didn't know, that they knew about this guy. They knew what he does over the years. They knew what he was about. But they still let me move in a cell with him, knowing what they knew. You know? And it's sad because that's the problem. They put you in a cell with people that they don't even... They know about this person, but they should be more aware of who they're putting people in the cell with. But they don't. They just put you with anybody. And then what they'll say to you, deal with it. You guys fight. You know what we're going to do. We're going to take you to the home. So you either move in or you're getting a ticket for refusing housing. What kind of choice is that? That's yeah. not That's not dealing with my security by pushing somebody in the cell with somebody that they know that they're not going to get along with. Yeah. And what they'll say is, well, this is not a place for people to get along. But that would stop a lot of fights. That would stop a lot of violence. Yeah, completely understandable. Um, I know when we talked earlier, you had mentioned about the uh, one gentleman that had the issue where, you know, the whole medical staff and COs didn't help. Um, Correct. If you want to touch right. more base onto that and kind of go into like how many things like that happen, like reg- like is it a common oh, yeah. thing? Oh yeah, this this guy fell out here, and he was on the ground for forty five minutes. There was about eight cops standing around him. Nobody went and touched him. He had vital signs. Uh, see if he's okay. Even asked him, was he okay? Can he move? I get it if you fall, you got to lay there until medical comes. But medical took 45 minutes to come get this guy off the floor. And you would think they would run. They, they kept strolling down here like they was taking a Sunday walk to the park. What if something really happened to this guy? And he was to the point where he had brain damage or something. This guy would have been gone by the time they got here. Now, that CEO? They have this place would have been full already. There'd have been a dozen cops, all kind of medical staff, all kind of stuff. So I don't understand why is it that way. Then they had another gentleman. He had a diabetic shock. He turned damn near purple before they even came to him. He's in the last cell 
is so far down in the jail, by the time they got to him, and they took their suite of that, it's like a half a mile to get from medical, honestly, to that block that we were at. And this guy shouldn't have been where he was with his medical issues. But when they got to him, he was purple. Non-responsive, he couldn't move, nothing. He was turning blue. And somehow, you know, they ended up bringing him back, but for the time that they're taking to try to help people is ridiculous. You said it was only half a mile from to get to there? Yeah, they got... Yeah, it's like a half a mile. The hallway's pretty long. Yeah, it's like a half a mile. Yeah, that's crazy, though. And You'd still think they would get there the still fast, though. Have one minute left. The seals are out of shape. The, staff, the, the medical staff's out of shape. By the time they get down there, they're helping. They should be training for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, but you were talking about, um, you know, that incident. So, um, with, uh, like... Like I said, how many times do you think stuff like that happens? Like, is it pretty much in every, like, once a month oh, that, or every oh, couple months? Just, just about every day. Oh, it's an no. old. <laughs> and I want to tell you a story that happened with my Sally. One day, my Sally had got into an argument with some kitchen worker, and they were in the kitchen together, I guess, working, and they boiled from the kitchen. They came all the way back to the block. I told Marcelli to leave it alone. It's nothing. Marcelli's talking crap to the guy through the door. The guy's talking to him. The guy didn't want to So Marcelli thought that it was going to be a weak point for him to go mess with this guy. I said, look, man. I told Marcelli, don't mess with this guy. I said, you don't work out. This guy is big as a house. I said, you don't work out. You don't do anything. This guy is going to tear you up. Now, I'm in the cell. We're 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 doing count, so we got count from 11.30 until 1 o'clock. So this whole time, I'm in the cell, I'm telling him to leave it alone. He just can't leave it alone. I'm going to get him so the door open and blah, blah, blah. So I'm standing on my bed. Before I knew it, he jumped. He was on the bottom bunk. As soon as 1 o'clock came and the door popped, he goes flying out the door down to the guy's cell. He goes in the dude's cell. Closes the door, went in like he was on a, like he was playing hockey, pulls the shirt over the guy and said, it's not taking him off. The guy gradually takes the shirt, pulls it over his head like he's nothing. Why am I talking? And he just gave this kid, Marcelli, everything he had coming to him. I mean, he beat him so bad, he was in a coma. I think it was like,
on the tear, and every time he breathed out, blood was just gushing over the tear like a waterfall. It was falling down onto the floor, and he was choking on his blood because it was all in his lungs. His face was dismantled. He was his, his head blew up because it was so swollen. I didn't even recognize him. And I seen him like months later. I had to go to the hospital. And he said, what happened? I said, dude, you don't want to talk about that. You don't even want to remember what happened to you. He insisted that I tell him, but I, I never told him. But I was like, man, I told you not to go in there with that dude almost killed me. But the same guy, like, he was supposed to go home. He ended up stabbing somebody and ended up getting 10 years. That's why he didn't go home the first time. He tried to stab somebody and ended up getting 10 more years added on. This is the same guy that got beat up. Wow. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, that kind of stuff, I mean, I haven't seen nothing like that happen, something like that, in a while. But we still got our issues and stuff that goes on between staff and inmates. I remember being in SAG one time and I seen the CEOs, CEOs, not one, CEOs, beating up this one guy in a wheelchair. The guy's in a wheelchair. They dumped him out of his wheelchair. Yeah, I guess he's paralyzed from the waist down, and they just beat the crap out of dude. What do you get out of that? What was they beat him. What was the reason? He, he was crying, and they would just beat him up. What was the reasoning behind? Like, what was their reason behind him? I guess the kids were just talking crap to them. there's kind of like a, a joke with like nothing against like all police officers and CEOs and stuff. Like you do have, you know, probably your decent ones and stuff, but I know people always yeah. say that like the, um, like the muscle heads in high school and stuff, like when they uh -huh. get out in the real world, they get a uh -huh. badge just so they can still pick at people. And kind of like you said, like, right. an e like an ego thing. And I, I like when I done security, like we were just security guards, you know, at a power plant. And there was actually right. some people that were like that. They put a badge on and, com 
completely oh, yeah. changed. Like, no, thought they were the worst person in the world. Like, nobody could stop them. Like, dude, you're just a guard. Like, there's yeah. nothing to it. There was this one guy, right? I was, I came in, I was working in this front area of the town, and this one guy came in, he was cocky as all hell. He was all juiced up. He thought he was the shit because he fight um, that tie fighting or whatever, UFC stuff. Mm-hmm. So he figured he was going to try to use it on an inmate. Well, he got some bad news because that inmate beat his ass and then another one came and he beat his, he was beating both of their asses at the same time. He had to be actually rushed, the kid that was beating up both of these cops at the same time. I'm, I'm sitting there watching it. I couldn't believe it. This kid is beating them dudes back to back, back to back, back to back. You know, he's going beat him, beat him, beat him. And then the only way that kid got stopped is when they all rushed in and they all jumped on him. But, yeah, you got one thing here that a gun hole that just think they're on top of the world, that they're untouchable. You know, but I've seen them get hurt, too. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm against the police, but what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. Uh, I've seen it many times over where the SEALs get hurt because they go above and beyond what they're supposed to be doing. To me, you know what I call them? I call them uh, Maytag police because they don't carry no weapon. only thing they got is a pair of handcuffs. Not saying that I'm going to do anything to them, but they walk around with these chips on their shoulders like they're carrying guns, the batons. They don't have any of that stuff. Trust me, they don't carry any of that. Mm-hmm. To be acting on that. You know? Yeah, it's a, yeah. You know, but it, it, it's a constant thing, though. You just, every day you get ones that it's just, like me, I got punished for. Yeah, I was threatening one day, but they took my job. This is mental health. I went to mental health to get help. They took my job because I was threatening. You know, when you're mad, you really don't think about what you say. And I told the guy, look, man, I was just mad, and I said some things that I shouldn't have said. And they gave me a class A ticket. They took my job, and I don't job. I can't get a job what, for a whole year. Before I can get another job, I can't get contact visits for two years. Only because I was going through some stuff with my sister. I get it, we're not supposed to threaten or whatever, but they didn't even take into consideration what I was going through with my sister. My sister's dying of cancer. She's crying on the phone and it affected me in a way where I needed to see mental health. But they didn't even take that into consideration. They just, well, we're going to send you to the hole because you're threatening and we're going to give you a ticket. So I got the wrong end of the stick because, yeah, I threatened, but I, I, I'm asking for help. And I still ain't getting my help. I'm still waiting for mental health to help. What's one thing, or probably a couple things, like, overall, because you always hear, like, the term, like, they don't really, where they're supposed to rehabilitate and they don't, because I know right. a lot of people say that prison just makes criminals better criminals. Like, overall, what do you think are some key points that, like, prison systems could do for, you know, you guys, you know, personally, like, with your mental health or just how things are ran? Like, what would you change to make things better? And do you think that would actually would benefit change. you all? I would change 
the point, you know, how they revise in a police department, how they should deal with people out there in the world mm-hmm. in certain situations. They should do the same thing in here. Certain scenarios, you got to act a certain way. You got to be a certain way. Because everybody's not coming on that rah-rah bull crap. Mm-hmm. There's people with serious problems, people with issues. But they don't look at it like that. They look at it, oh, here we go. We got a nutcase. You don't know what that guy is going through. I think they should go through a training course on how to deal with inmates or people in general. But they don't have that. They just get them out of the academy and throw them in and, and teach them they, that they got to be hard, which is what the job calls for. Yeah, there's yeah. No need for yeah, I, I no agree. Yeah, I def- definitely agree on that. Yeah, there's no need for you know them to be. Which I don't know why. Are they trying to be like kind of like how some kids have like the tough love? Maybe they think that maybe yeah. if they do like be tough on yeah. you guys, that it's going to be like oh they'll change them. But yeah, that don't work. Yeah, not not at all. But I do have to uh, let it through team mark, and I do have to address. Okay. Go on. Okay. If anyone would like to get in touch with me, they can find me on Facebook. But if you want to contact me directly in prison, go to SecuritasNet and sign up for messaging, which is like email. I have a tablet myself, and I can respond every day. My name is Earl Glanning. And my NA number is 234-652. You can also write me a letter at McDougal CI, 1153 East Street South, Southfield, Connecticut, 06080. If you want, I can even call you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so they come in with these gun holes, just uh, on their shoulder for nothing. There's no need for it. Like I said, they need to go to a class to learn how to cope and deal with certain situations. And they, they're not going, they're not, nobody's teaching them that. They're teaching them in their academy to come in with these with the gun hold uh, attitude, and there's no need for that whatsoever. Done. Now, if somebody brings it to you like that, then okay. But most of the time, nobody's doing that. Um, you have one minute left. Before we wrap real quick, out of everybody like that you know in there, how many people do you think actually need to not be locked up and need like mentally be in a mental institution getting the proper help they need? Like I'm gonna say at least fifty percent. At least. That's at least half. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's a lot. lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> But it's, it's true, it's at least half. And I'm included myself, that's half. Yeah, it's kind of like hard to take in because I, I hear that a lot. Like there's a lot of people that actually, you know, they, they shouldn't be in prison. They need to, yeah. you know, be somewhere getting the help they need to, be, you know, get better get, and everything. They get ready to hang us up. Uh, okay. All right. It was nice doing the test if you were Thank too, you uh, for using oh, yeah. Secure. Yeah. Goodbye. Okay, that was the uh, finishing uh, part three of our interview with uh, convicted murderer Earl Gladding. Um, 
I thought that was very interesting, you know, hearing his prison stories and things that he has went through, things that he has witnessed. You know, I see that uh, in reading books and talking to other, you know, inmates and stuff that, uh, which you also see it on crap documentaries and stuff. Like, I know a lot of people has that mindset, like, well, they're in prison, they deserve it, but I, I could get, you know, backlash for, which I think I've made comments on other episodes, but, you know, yeah, people, they, you know, they've done bad things, but they're still human, and there's, you know, not, not everybody, even the people out in the world are not perfect, so, you know, you still have to be respectful to people. In a sense, even if you don't want to be, you still have to be, especially in that type of job situation, because you're not helping the situation. And just the ending, like what he was saying, you know, because I hear that a lot with there's a lot of them that do not need to be in prison, that they should be in a mental institution in a sense of getting help, you know, the proper medication and all that. And with him saying, you know, with his personal experience where he's at. 50 percent that's that's a lot i'm not sure the exact number that's in there but i'm sure most prisons give or take hundreds uh like close to a thousand more sometimes you know more like i know at moundsville when i done a tour there they had said at like at one time there was like three inmates to sell and they had like over two thousand people so take that just say 2,200 people, and say you take what he said, 50%, that's 1,100 people that could be getting proper help somewhere else and, you know, you know, bettering yourself and possibly being able to make it out in the real world. Because I know I had talked to Earl before, you know, earlier before we recorded this and to discuss what we were going to go over. And, you know, that's what he was talking about then as well and a lot of them do that too you know he's been locked up since 97 and there's a lot of them that's been you know locked up you got some that's been locked up since the 80s you know some that might still be locked up from the 70s if you go far back if you know they some of them's probably in their 70s 80s but like they don't know like people like he was saying and our previous phone call before this was like you know the technology people's like oh they don't need it you know, the tablets and everything, but like they're it's easier and stuff. It's cost efficient. Like you can't really hold prisoners hostage on technology. I don't think either. And like I said, we, we have access to it. I think they should be able to have, like I can understand like Facebook stuff like that, but they should be able to have access to what they have access to with like phone calls and everything and tablets where they can e-message people and stuff like that. So, which one thing I do want to mention, I don't know, I know Connecticut gets uh, free phone calls now, um, and they do the e-message that he was talking about on Securus, that also, I'm not sure how many uh, stamps they give you on there, but I know they've been giving me stamps, like I think I used, say I used 20 in a month, like some, I keep going up to 75, so I don't know if they say you have 10 stamps at the end of the month, they give you up to 75. Like that's the max they give like to balance it out type thing. But yeah. So if you do want to contact him, like I said, it most likely is not going to cost you any money. Like 
it might at first maybe get stamps and again they might give you i'm not sure because when i first signed up to like e-message him and stuff and some others there um it you know had to pay you know a couple dollars for some uh, excuse me for some stamps on there which is a whole lot cheaper than uh you know like regular stamps but uh, I thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed this three-parter. Um, I really enjoy, you know, listening to the stories. I, I find it fascinating to learn more about, you know, an individual and where they came from, what. Because, you know, not to continue this, but, you know, you look at somebody that's in prison, and a lot of people are just like, oh, it's a monster, and, you know, for things they did, which... Like he said, you know, his crime, you know, he thinks about it. He's remorseful for it and all that. And it just, then you understand, you know, what happened before, like where they come from. You hear a lot about their childhood, stuff like that. And just things that, you know, the situation they were in at the time. And I know there's many people that have said it, like, you know, we all have that power to do it. And anybody could do it. Like, Everybody has different breaking points. You might say, well, I'm not going to kill somebody. But that breaking point hasn't been reached yet, in a way, if you look at it. I don't know, it's just very, very many things you can think about in that situation. But um, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one.